welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange, formerly the She Yearns podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. You and I continue to experience a forced, new, and different reality, don't we? My pastor made the point during his virtual message this week that if he had told us a year ago on Easter Sunday that by this time the following year the churches in America would be empty, that we would be prohibited from gathering, that none of us would be together with family or friends, we would not have believed him. (laughs) But here we are. Nothing feels like it ought to be. You know, this year I'm reading through a chronological one-year Bible It's Old Testament right now, uh, this time of year. Particularly, I'm reading about the first king of Israel, King Saul. And I'm also reading about David, who has already been anointed as the next king. But we're in this middle series where he's running for his very life in between the time when he was anointed by Samuel and when he's actually the king. As I've been reading it this time, I've thought to myself, you know, nothing probably felt like it ought to be to David either. Here's what I noticed. Overall, as a big picture umbrella, as I've been reading in the life of David, that really struck me. In the midst of all the problems that he's going through, he's not just waiting it out in his yoga pants like I've been spending the last three weeks hoping God will do something amazing while he's just sitting on the couch waiting for the difficulties to pass. During the mess, what I've noticed is that God is at work building his skill as the upcoming king, growing his army because he didn't have one, at all. It was just him extending his support to other groups of people in the kingdom and elsewhere, restoring family relationships. We find David thanking God for building his ability as a warrior. So we know that God was building his strength. We see that all over the Psalms. The Bible tells us that men continued to join him even up until the battle where Saul lost his life. God is the one who extended his reputation over and over again causing him to grow in favor with man and to be successful in all that he did. And somehow through the mess, remember in the beginning, the brothers were not supportive at all. But then through time, they come and comfort him and they are all in. And we see that God does this. God has been at work this whole time. But we also see that David is at work. He's working his army. He's defending cities. He's protecting people that don't even belong to him. He's building relationships. He's defeating the enemies. And he's growing the faith of the men that are under his care. We see David with his army working. They're not couch potatoes playing video games just sitting around eating grapes. But they're defending the property that's not even theirs. They're defending Israelite cities on Saul's watch. They're protecting people that are entrusted to him. They're building valuable relationships between himself and these key cities that are one day going to be his charge. Defeating enemies. When they don't even know what to do, David prays. He asks God. He teaches his men that when you don't know what to do, this is what you do. And when you need confirmation, you go back to God and you wait for God to answer. This is how it's done. David could have easily gone to hold up in a cave somewhere and stayed there and said, I'm just going to wait this whole bad dream out. I'm just going to put my yoga pants on and just wait. But that's not what he does. Even when he goes and runs to another country, 
he is still working and you see that in the things that he does then days before Saul and his sons are killed in battle David and his men are headed out to the same battle but they're on the other side because they have been working alongside this Philistine commander named Akish and as far as Akish knows David's completely trustworthy well yes and no the other Philistine commanders are not so sure about this and David's done some raiding and but he hasn't been forthright with the with the Akish man to tell him where he's actually been he's actually been fighting enemies but Akish has grown to trust him but the other guys have said no he can't go with us because what happens when we get to the battle lines and he actually fights with Israel and against us you got to send that man home he's not going to be with us so David has to go home and in the meantime what has happened is that while they were away from home from Ziklag some bad guys the Amalekites came and they stole all their stuff and they stole all their people so if things weren't bad enough for David now gone is everything and his own guys are so distraught over this they talk about stoning David well then he's not gonna get to be king he's gonna die so things are really bad but this is what characterizes this man and sets him apart and this is what we find in first Samuel chapter 30 David was greatly distressed because the men were talking to stoning him each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters but David found strength in the Lord his God then David said to Abiathar the priest the son of Ahimelech bring me the ephod Abiathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord shall I pursue this raiding party will I overtake them pursue them he answered you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue the first thing that I notice about this situation is that David possesses a different attitude and that that's something that we can learn from the get-go David possesses a seize the day kind of attitude that forces its way to the forefront even in the midst of adversity it's what we love about Mel Gibson in the movie Braveheart every man dies not every man really lives and it's the classic carpe diem attitude from the writings of Henry David Thoreau brought to our attention in this character named Neil from the movie Dead Poets Society I went into the woods because I wanted to live deliberately I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life to put to root all that was not life and not when I came to die discover that I had not yet lived or to put it in the more perspective of what David would have known these are not just idle words for you they are your life by them you will live long in the land you are crossing to the Jordan to possess because that was his life was to live his life for the Lord and what we would know is from Colossians 3 to set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory and which moves right on into Ephesians 5 therefore be careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil so what does this look like for you and me today in the midst of the forced isolation on top of the togetherness the uncertain future and the disasters happening in our midst this is what I was thinking about 
because it is a different attitude. It's just like what David possessed. He's got a different attitude in the midst of all of these issues that he's going through. And he's got this seize the moment in the midst of the disaster kind of attitude. And that's the first thing that really struck me. Make the time matter. Something else struck me this week. About nine years ago, Chad and I were in the trenches with four kids, toying with the possibility of adopting a fifth child. We were going to get a baby. I was only interested in a baby. And then the Hague Treaty came out and the program we were in no longer had that availability. And we had already sent in tons of money and we were halfway through the paperwork process and we had just purchased a minivan. (laughs) which only has 6.5 seats. That's a problem. Now, our social worker, Adela, she's wonderful. She'd been with us since our first adoption through America World. She had suggested a few months earlier to me personally, hey, Cherry, I think you should consider adopting a sibling set. I think you'd be so good at it. I mean, she was passionate about this suggestion, and I just I just let it fall on deaf ears. And I said, you know what? I already have a sibling set. I have four kids, Adela. I am not interested in adopting siblings. No, thank you. And I just filed it under do not retrieve in my brain. (laughs) It's not important. So I didn't keep that information. But in the next few months, the program we switched to, they completely shut down. No more were babies available. So Adela called me and she said, listen, I'm sorry, but we're up against a deadline and we're going to have to make a decision. And I just need to know on the piece of paper, would you be willing to, on the piece of paper, extend your openness to a a sibling set? Or you're going to have to lose all your money, start the process over. And so I said, fine. But I had no intention of doing this. No intention whatsoever. Well, long story short, I found myself in an orphanage on Ethiopian soil a year later, picking up my sibling set of four, (laughs) celebrating Easter on their first day in America at home in 2012. And no one spoke English. I mean, it was a wild ride for lots of days in those years. And last summer, our oldest uh, in that Ethiopian set, Sophia and I traveled back just by ourselves to Ethiopia for the first time. And it had been seven years, but it was like someone had taken a picture of life as it had been, cut it all up into pieces and shaken it in a bowl. And there was just no way we're gonna find all the bright pieces and put it back together. In fact, international adoptions are no longer open in that country. So it was really different. And it's no longer possible to do what we did in 2012. You just can't do it anymore. That was a window of opportunity that is closed. That is surreal. Instead, there are some orphanages, not like it was back in the day. And we had the opportunity to go into some of these. We saw some babies that were thriving and we saw some that were not gonna survive. In fact, I saw some things I can't tell you about. I just can't. Uh, We encountered girls exactly the age of my daughter's and exactly the age of her sister who had been raped and some were smuggling food because they're they're not going to survive. We learned that the only plan for the future of these girls in some of these places is they're going to load them into a vehicle and they're going to dump them out on the street with no future in sight of, of any education whatsoever for having a job, no place to stay, nothing but the clothes on their back and that is the hope that they have Uh, that's just devastating and we were so burdened by that and that that is ushers in a whole level of 
what in the world are we going to do? So as I walked around those streets with my daughter, the same age, who had come from the same city just a few years before, at the same time, these girls were entering these issues. I asked the Lord from really heavy questions because there remains great need and huge issues. Now that adoption is not currently an option, the world's come to a complete crazy stop. But one question I asked that was extremely personal to my situation was how in the world did my daughter miss what we were experiencing right then? How did she miss that? Well, I believe God was answering me the same way we see him answering uh, this issue today in 1 Samuel to say, Cherry, I I was working all along. I was already working, getting all the pieces lined out, making a way, and you were working in the middle of your mess before you knew how it was going to turn out, when you didn't want to do it, seizing the moment in when you didn't even believe it was going to work out. All of this came to my mind this weekend because we celebrate this sibling set becoming part of the Strange Family uh, on Easter, and I was just reminded how essential, how life-altering, how life-giving seizing your moments are and how much moments matter. Little did we know at the time that that was a window of opportunity to do the crazy thing and it mattered. I was reminded that sometimes our decisions in the middle of our messes that seem like personal preferences are so much more and sometimes lives are at stake. The other thing that we did this last weekend was something I had encountered a few years before at Brookwood Baptist Church out of Oklahoma City. On Good Friday, they offered, rather than the traditional service on Good Friday, they broadcasted a simulcast by David Platt teaching something called Secret Church. It's six hours of fast and furious Bible study that he takes to difficult places in the world where they meet secretly in small groups where he can teach uh, church leaders necessary biblical material very quickly so they can have something to educate their people with in uh, churches that can spread the gospel. Then he allows people to come and participate in that, takes that to us and gives us that experience. Well, we did that over two nights in our living room with our kids, our teens. No traveling could we do, no company to come. We had lots of time. So uh, that's what we did. Heavy, passionate Bible study with our teenagers. And even I missed a few blanks trying to get it all done. But here was my overarching takeaway, at least one of them. Even though it really wasn't a spoken directive, just my own sense, David Platt at one point told a story of traveling to Brazil. He was out in the jungle with a small team. Might have just been himself and another guy and a couple of guides. And while he's slapping at bugs and things, the guides were like, that's really not your biggest problem. The biggest problem is at night. (laughs) That's when it really gets dangerous. They're sleeping in hammocks, and he's like praying, God, have mercy, help us get through the night alive. And then they're traveling to uh, a larger city in the daytime, and he's taking a video of what the missionaries there are accomplishing, and he's showing all this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, that is so awesome that he's got these experiences. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about my own life here in, in the middle of Houston, all the responsibilities God's given me. I mean, I can't go sit in a hammock in the middle of a jungle, you know, worrying about pumas eating me half to death, you know, that kind of thing. But what, what I can do 
is say, you know, Lord, I'm probably not going to be in a hammock slapping at bugs like David Platt, but you have placed me exactly where you want me in my neighborhood to build relationships with people who are lost. My neighbors are lost, and this is where you've placed me. These are the responsibilities you've given me, and Lord, I'm begging you, don't leave me sitting on my couch in my yoga pants waiting on the trouble to pass because I could very easily do that. Make this moment matter. Please, I'm begging you, make this moment matter. And I believe what we see in the Bible from this David who's not yet king, he he does this right in, in about three ways. The first was that he, he has this attitude that's absolutely essential that he seizes the day and he accepts this idea that because you have died and your life is hidden in Christ and God, make the most of every opportunity. And that's really what you and I need to do. And then, how does he do this? I mean, where does the strength come from? Where does this ability, this passion come from? Well, because he's got problems, right? Well, we see it over and over again in the Psalms, but we particularly see it in that passage that we just read. David found strength in the Lord his God. Remember we just read that a few minutes ago? He doesn't run to his bank account. He doesn't have one. He doesn't count how many men he has either, even though he has men. He doesn't do a number of things you and I often resort to. He looks to and finds strength in the Lord. He trusts that the Lord has been working, that the word that he speaks to him is true, that he would fulfill his purpose for him, and that because of his character, God will do what he says he's going to do. Even when David forgets this, and we know David has a struggle with this because he writes these psalms that remind him of all the qualities of God and what God has done in the past. He writes these things down so that we can remember them and that he recalls them to his mind, just like you and I do. He reminds himself of God's character, of his history, of his faithfulness, of his promises and his abilities. This is where our strength should come also. The other thing that he often does that we see time and time again is a pattern in his writings. He will bring his concerns before the Lord. Then he tells God what the problem is. And then he goes through this process of reminding himself of who God is and what he's done in the past. And then he worships. At the end of the psalm, often, he's worshiping and praising the Lord. That's where our strength lies. In fact, it's a known battle plan in the Old Testament that they use against the enemies. Let's not leave it on the table in our own situations. Do not forget worship. And do it loud, do it proud in your homes or on your porches or as you're walking. Just turn that music up in your headphones and worship. Do it loud. That's how we're going to find strength in the Lord. The last thing that David does is he looks to God expectantly for direction. He is not relying on, like Saul, he doesn't. Saul goes to some medium and tries to find his answers there. Not David. David looks to the Lord and he expects the Lord to speak to him. What should you have me do? What should I do in this particular situation? What about this need? What about that neighbor? What about this problem? These kids? This ministry right now because everything's all crazy. David is super specific. And that's how we need to come to the Lord also. He expects God to direct him specifically. He doesn't look to be stuck having rocks thrown at him and being destitute, never to become king. He doesn't leave it there. That is what he was facing in the verses we just read today. But he looks to God to speak directly and specifically to how he's going to move and to show him what to do. Clearly, God's gone before them 
in that situation because right after this, the Bible tells us that they happened upon an Egyptian slave who was then able to give them the rundown on the location of the thieves and that person held no loyalty then. He was perfect. He was absolutely a perfect person to happen to run into. I mean, that was absolutely God. Now, it was time for David and his men to work because God had gone before them. You see, when we see disaster, God is constantly working. That's something that I need to remember, and I need to remember that right now. Out of this mess, they were able to recover more plunder than they lost. Now, that's not like a health and wealth kind of gospel. What David did with that was he sent gifts. He gave it away. He was so generous, and he sent it out to people that he was demonstrating a loyalty to. He said, I am in this with you. I am for you. I am for your good. And and God used it in the future. So let me leave you with some questions to consider. I was thinking about in my own life, what is your attitude in this COVID-19 situation? Do you have this seize the day kind of attitude that David seems to possess that this making this moment matter no matter where you are, what's your situation, or are you sitting on the couch in your yoga pants waiting for the disaster to pass? Because that's not what we see in scripture. What is your attitude? Is it more like David or not? That's something I need to address for myself. It could be that lives and their eternities could be at stake, just like I experienced this past summer. It was devastating, let me tell you. It was very, very sobering. Are you finding strength in the Lord? Are you going to Him to give you the strength that you need? And are you worshiping? Remember, look to God expectantly. Be specific with what you need and ask for Him to speak and to work in your life in the midst of all that's going on. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you. I look so forward to this on a weekly basis and I just look forward to being with you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier to make sure you get it. Please remember, rate, review, and share the podcast. You're the one that makes the impact. And you never understand the difference your suggestion could make in the life of another person just by recommending and sharing the resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify. It's so easy. Or put it in your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there's more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange. It is always a pleasure to meet you here.